the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Thanks for joining us in the Healthcare Now studios. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with my co-host, Larry Jones. Larry, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Dr. Mark. Great to be with you again. Absolutely. Got a lot of good things to talk about today. We do. You know, we're going to jump into talking about kind of physician models. We always talk about the importance of primary care. Yes. What primary care is going to look like 10 years from now. We talk a lot about physician extenders and how, you know, that makes great sense. And really the driving force to that is the the economics of what it would take to have a practice right. and spend the appropriate amount of time with your patient. Exactly. Which and everybody is complaining everybody about. Everybody complains about. That's, that's, right. that's really the number. Well, there's two two big complaints, right? Mm-hmm. The time that you wait in the waiting room. That's right. And and that example. And the FaceTime with the physician. FaceTime with the physician. And, and on one plays off the other. That's about seven minutes, Dr. Mark. Seven minutes, yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, people, some doctors are really good at making that seven minutes seem yes. like everything. Yes. And others are not. So that's one piece of it. But the re- the reality is that it's the dollars, Larry. You know, if, that's right. if a doc opens up a practice, there there's literally a certain number of patients he has to see every day to keep to the lights work, on. To keep it work. And that's so, right. you know, we've looked at these different models. We've talked about concierge medicine. Um, so concierge medicine is yep. where, where the... The, the client would pay a flat fee to be covered for the year. The doctor would say, I'm only going to see, you know, 200 patients right. in my practice. And access to my cell phone and 24-7. Yep. So whatever they That's need. Right. Now, yep. the, the downside of that is if you are the patient and you actually need hospital care. That's right. And you still, you, have, you to still have, have to have insurance. To cover that. That's and right. That's when you go to the hospital, you're not going to have your physician involved in that care line necessarily. Right, right. So then there have been some groups that have tried like hybrid models yep. where they're, they'll they'll say, okay, I'm seeing this many patients. I'm going to cut it down to this many, but I, I need a percentage of, of concierge care. And that that's not easy either. Yeah. I mean, where do you draw the line, right? Well, you know, I think it's uh, – and, and I'm glad we're talking about this today, Dr. Mark, because we do this every day and we've got some new things on the drawing board. Right. But what we're really trying to get to is what is the best model for a patient – to have access to a primary care doctor that in turn keeps them out of the ER, right. reduces hospital bills, right. reduces the need for the nursing shortage in America, yep. and all the things that play into that wheel. Right, or that, exactly that, that primary create, care office. Yeah, that create chronic care management. Yeah, so yeah. The, the in the big picture, like I was talking in the small picture of, of the physician in that office, right? right, right. But you bring up the point – in the big picture, that office is where it's got to begin where it all starts. To, to save everything yeah. else. Yeah. And ironically, 
the way it's always played out is that's the hardest piece to stay alive. It is. And remember when they brought up the HMOs and you had a gatekeeper and the yep. idea was, yep. okay, that primary care is the most important group to make sure you don't spend extra money. Well, that didn't really work out all that no, well. No. I mean, patients didn't like it. The gatekeepers yeah. really weren't keeping well, the gate remember, shut. if you remember, all the insurance companies dropped the gatekeeper model oh, and yeah. now it's called open access. Yep, yep. So, so that was sort of what the market demanded and it didn't accomplish things, but it really put a lot of pressure on primary care yes. to stay keep their head above water. Exactly. So, so you brought to me this other another concept, which is interesting. Right. It's sort of a, a little bit of a combination that could work. It's called direct primary care DPC. DPC. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is a model. There are about a hundred, pra- or I'm sorry, a thousand, a thousand practices in the U.S. that are, that are trying this out. Trying it out. Yes, sir. And so, so the idea, mm-hmm. as I understand, it, I'm going to let you jump in because you were yep. you really did some research on this. I did. So you've got a primary care doc who is going to see patients. And these patients are actually funded by their employer right. who's going to pay a flat fee yeah. to make sure yeah. they do their annual visit and yep. they have access to the office within, right. you know, whatever it is, two days, yeah. you know, that they, so, so not exactly concierge care, no, but they also, the employer also has you covered with regular insurance right. As, right. as a piece right. of that. This is kind of an add on to yeah, like an extra, insurance. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, <clears throat> Excuse me. And the way that this whole thing started is we had some employers approach us on this, Dr. Mark, right. saying, what about how do I get my my employees and families in for annual wellness visits? Right. How do I get them to manage their chronic illnesses? Mm-hmm. And in result, reduces absenteeism at the workplace right. and makes them a healthier employee. So, again, we've all bought in that yeah. if you're if you're doing that management in a in a in a better better way yep. if you're seeing yep. your primary care doc more routinely right. that we're going to save again in the big picture and so in that this idea is how does the employer save money right and so they they're they're already shelling out a lot of money for health care coverage huge and but if they can yep. keep turnover down if they can keep absenteeism down then they win That's right. and and so the whole system comes back to this one doc who is struggling to keep his keep his lights on. Exactly. So it's a, it's a twofold thing. It's access for the patient right. and incentive for the patient to go and maintain those baselines right. that we talk about all the time on this show, Dr. Mark. Right. And the second one is help support the primary care physician because you and I both know the independent Struggle. physician is struggling today. Right. And these can and are independent physicians, yes. right? They're not yes. a big, of a, better, you know, the big system. Mm-hmm. And so this is another opportunity for someone because concierge medicine came about the same way. It started, <clears throat> you know, it, it occurred in certain states and word got out. And then I know here in Orlando, I remember when the first primary care doc in Orlando went to a concierge practice and no one, yeah. everybody's like, this ain't going to work. And yeah. it actually did yeah. work for that physician. There are some and docs they're, they're, doing very well in yeah, concierge. There's a good yep. group, and, and their clients But there's are not happy. a lot of them. No, and they're not covering a lot of lives. Well, I don't think they're targeting the employer either. They're not. They're targeting You're absolutely their own not. patients. They're, they're exactly right. That's right. Exactly right. So, so this is sort of takes it to a different level, it and does. it may allow it to grow because, you know, we're going to assume that the employer has a little yep. stronger base than an individual. Yep. And and so that may actually play out. Well, the way this whole thing came about when this employer with 50 employees approached us, Dr. Mark, uh-huh. they basically said, we're willing to pay a primary care doctor right. anywhere between 70 and and $100 a month per patient, per patient, per month, 
which is per well, employee, 50, essentially. Per yep. employee, and yep. just the employee piece. Right. If the dependent wanted to participate, the money that, was on actually, the family. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. he's, and so you take 50 times 85, right. and he's willing to pay that over and above the insurance premium portion that he pays for his employees. Right. And so that his employees have direct access, and he made a couple of stipulations. Mm-hmm. One to two day access to the physician, right? By doing that, mm-hmm. and then comprehensive annual wellness visit and baseline labs that they get which, every which year. would be included anyway. That, that's I mean, right. That, that's, that's not right. that's right. That's not an additional time cost yeah. or or cash cost to right. the physician's office. Right. That's going to be covered. That's covered by that's the covered. insurance company. And and in the DPC program, the employer and the doctor can agree on what the services are included within that prepayment plan. Right. I mean, this kind of reminds me of, you know, when the when the bigger companies came out and they said, you know, we're going to get you a fitness membership. Yep. So these ideas, these wellness ideas and those those things sort of I wouldn't say they fell by the wayside because some companies have really embraced continuing that. Yes. But the participation there was always questionable. Right. Right. I mean, you can give you can give 100 people free passes to their uh, to their gym. But how many people are going to get up and go? Correct. Now, this is a little not a little more. This is a lot more direct to the healthcare because you're saying yep. you you know I would imagine the employer says like you need to go see your doctor, right? Absolutely. I mean, and, if you want to continue and, to be my yeah. employee, well, I mean, and, right. and I don't know how far they can. Obviously, they can't be involved. They can't know whether you did or you didn't because oh, no. that. No. But at some point, if they're shelling out the cash for this, and and you're, right you're, you you as an employee right. are calling in sick, that's right. You know, maybe that's the backup. Then so, they, so they start gotta, asking gotta, questions. Yeah, so they yeah. Gotta, it's got to be a way to, to monitor this. Yeah. But but it is. It, it, it's going to be an added thing. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. And, well, and I'm glad to see that, you know, people are trying to think of fresh ways. Because I, I hear this all the time with yeah. my students that are going into primary care. Yeah. They're really worried about what that's going to look like. Exactly. And is this, and, is this and viable? And not only are they worried about access and care, they're worried about the cost of the care. For sure. Now we're capping their primary care. By the way, in this model, Dr. Mark, there is no insurance claims. There is no copay. Right. There is no copayment by the patient at all. Right. They go see their primary care whenever they need it, and the employer pays a direct $85 for them every month. Right. And just for clarity, if they need other things, then it's just the standard standard insurance program Blue Cross Blue Shield or whatever they have. Hospital, surgery, imaging, any of that. But again, the other piece of the DPC is encouraging the primary care doctors to do more than yes. they would normally do. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, in other words, in the way of possibly flat films imaging mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and doctor things that would testing, keep them, right. t- things that, that might be done by a specialist but could be done by a primary care right. doctor. Especially if it's a family yeah. practice doc yeah. that's got that, that wider yeah. range What's of training. What's your opinion of that, Dr. Mark, as a well, physician? I mean, it's always about... The delivery. I think mm-hmm. it's whatever the standard of care in your community is. That's right. what has to be met. Okay. So the standard of care in Orlando might say, you know what, if I'm going to get a Doppler exam, I need to get this yep. by somebody yep. that has a vascular guy reading right. it. Or right, has, right, Or vascular guy or right. gal, sorry. Yep. And then, or if, but if I am more remotely located mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to send you a distance to get that done, then I think it's more than appropriate yeah. to have it done in an office right. by your, by your well, primary well, care let me physician. Ask you, when the physician and you're in your annual visit and the physician sticks the stethoscope on each side of your neck, yes, 
What's he listening for? Listening for your carotids to see if there's exactly. a little sound. So, so Doppler, and right, yeah, Doppler flow. Well, no, the, no, 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 they're it's just listening. Doppler. That's just the, just that's listening. just auscultation. Okay, if they hear. If you've got some blockage in your carotids, you might hear some of the turbulence okay. and the blood okay. flow. Okay. And then you're sent for a Doppler where they actually measure what you. the percentage is. I got so you. that's just a screening test. Right. It's not 100%, but that's, you know, it's got to be know, pretty, pretty significant if you're going to hear it. You know, that's great, Dr. Mark, because I can tell you, I bet you our listeners wonder, why does he do that? Why does the doctor do that on each yeah, side of the Hopefully the neck? doctor's not wondering why they do that, but I bet no, they're not. No, I'm, I bet no, they're not. Yeah. But, but they, do they ever really tell the patient? No, a lot no of no one's you know, ever said that again, to me. Seven minutes. Yeah, you got seven exactly, minutes. Exactly. Exactly. So don't yeah. ask too many questions. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And I, I think right. that that I think the the bottom line here is this sort of looks back a little bit like the gatekeeper, right? A little bit. But now yep. you are paying the gatekeeper that's for right. this specific yep. service and hopefully allowing them to see fewer patients. Yep. And still yep. keep the lights yep. on. Yep. So I, I like where this is going. Well, you know, think about it. That $85, if my math isn't right, that's a little over $1,000 a year per patient. Right. Right. For a primary care doctor. Right. And if you can get they 100 patients. They don't make $1,000 on any patient no. in any given year. No, no, no. You're absolutely so right. not only is this great for the patient, it's great for the yep. primary care doctor yep. as well. And they're going to be able to deliver you know, more quality yeah, care and yeah. more time. And and I think the important piece for our listeners is you always have the backup of your insurance plan for any other needed services. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about hospitals and uh, what kind of uh, financial woes they're looking forward to in the next years. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. And we had a really nice conversation about, like, the future of primary care yep. and the yep. idea of different models. And, and I think, you know, this is a ever-change. People need to be creative. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's it's the, the folks that are looking at medicine strictly as a business or medicine yep. as strictly as That's delivering right. medicine. And we need that combination. Yep. We need to recognize you know what? It's a product, yep. and the, yep. the client yep. is the patient, and we need to make sure yep. that that everybody's happy in this. Right. 
And the last thing the client wants to do is turn around and find out that they can't see their primary care at all That's right. because they can't That's exist. Right. So, That's right. so it's kind of, kind of And neat. not only that, Dr. Mark, on this DPC, and I expect this model is going to evolve as well. Something, yeah. But it will definitely help in this health equity issue. Sure. Well, it's, but they are – it all goes back to these are employer-based models. Right. And that right. really does change like when we're looking for government-sponsored things. In, in some senses, it creates some inequities – Right? I agree. I and, agree. And so, because you can see that that the government, but what this could do is, if this primary care physician is having success, mm-hmm. you may get some primary care folks that weren't taking Medicare and Medicaid right, right. and get them back on board because that is the other financial challenge. They have to have a way to make ends meet. Exactly. And one of the first things that they cut is the government sponsored programs exactly. because they're not getting reimbursed because they're not making the money. You yeah. Know? yeah. So yeah, well, let's uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about hospitals not making money. Uh, I mean, hospitals are supposed to uh, – they're seeing fewer inpatient admissions, yep. right? Yep. We're seeing more outpatient care, right. and we're seeing more like Hospital x-rays going home. on outside, hospital yep. care at home. Yep. So yep. all in all, they're they're headed towards an area where their overall income, yep. their overall gross earnings will go down. Yep. Now, the, the piece that has always been interesting to me is when I sat in on some of these board meetings and, and hospitals in talked the hospital, about, yep. they talked about, yeah, we're going to redirect. We're going to have the insurance companies want to do this. Patients want to do this. We're going to redirect and yep. have outpatient centers and da, 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 da. Well, I mean, I looked at that and thought, well, you know, this is sort of a conflict of interest mm-hmm. for these hospitals because they're going to make less money. Yep. Now, yep. they're also going to spend less money. That's right. Now, the problem becomes a lot of their expenditures are fixed because they've already built their hospital. That's right. They the already have. mortars already yeah, there. It's already there. That's right. I mean, That's it's right. kind of like these, you know, buildings downtown that everybody's at home using, uh, you know, remote, yep. Yep. remote uh, yep. communication. And we've got a bunch of empty buildings, but those buildings are there. Yep. They still got to stay air conditioned. So you've right. got these fixed costs. So right. there's got to be a balance, Larry. And yeah. right now, what I hear and what we see in print is that a prediction that the hospitals are going to be in trouble. Yeah. I'm not really buying that. I mean, I think we've talked well, me, about this with COVID. We have. Well, you know, they, they did okay during COVID other than the surgeries were eliminated and all right. that. Well, they did okay the when ER. we say they, the yeah. ones that are still alive. That's right? true. And, that's and true. I, I, yeah. I probably yeah. shouldn't. That's a poor choice of words, but I'm talking about the hospitals yeah. that didn't close. We saw yeah. a lot of hospitals that were they were marginal. They right, were they were right. barely keeping barely making it barely making it or, or losing before COVID, That's right. and that just pushed them off the cliff. Yeah. Well, you we know, saw some consolidations too. We sure did, and we continue to see. Yep, that. absolutely, in absolutely. Fact, we're going to talk about a couple of that in a minute, but you know, hospitals I think are going to have to look at how do they restructure their services. Yes, because one of the yes. biggest issues that hospitals have is the low service need of a patient who ends ends up in the ER taking up valuable, costly hospital services that aren't needed to be there. Right, right. And and that's, that's a what, big piece. And the bigger hospitals yep. that had large ERs with COVID in, in Florida. Now, in the Northeast, mm-hmm. it was a little bit different. Just the dynamics okay. of where the hospital is located and the population density is mm-hmm. much different than Florida. Okay. But in Florida, we saw empty ERs, Yep. right? And we saw costs go down because the ER wasn't a big moneymaker. Right. Right. And but as you pointed out earlier, when they shut down the operating rooms, yep. they really they saw revenue loss because that's, that's where right. they're making huge money. revenue loss. So the se- at the second time when there was a possible yep. thought of a second shutdown, it didn't happen. That's and, right. And you can't you yeah. can't convince me that it wasn't 
financially yeah. motivated. And, that, and, that's, you know, they saw right. what that and was going to do. And I know do. that impacted you as a surgeon as well during that time period. Right. For a while, it, it looked like it might be an interesting thing because I have an outpatient center I can go to. But even the outpatient center, by state mandate, had to shut down for a period of time. Right. And that was all because they thought that that we were going to run out of PPE, the, the personal right, protective right, equipment, right. which never that. happened. Never happened. Right? So there's a lot of panic involved. So now – that's all behind us, Larry. Right. And so now we've got right. this reset where we've still seen two things that, that haven't gone away. Number one, we're still seeing fewer ER visits, which yep. which we always tout as being good, yep. right? Yep. Number two, I mean, we, we have to look at where the expenditures are coming from right. and where they're going to pick back up. But we lost a lot of employees. Yes. And we haven't seen the resurgence of 50% to that. 50% on average. Right. And, you know, we'll talk about nursing shortages a little bit later. We're going to talk about that. But that is a huge piece. Yeah. Well, you know, on top of the issues that we're talking about with the hospital, some of the other things that are gaining, telehealth is expected to grow another 27% a year next year, 2023. Right. But but that taking away services, taking away services from that the hospitals, that the hospitals well. might have, yeah. right? Yeah, and and taking now you know money's still flowing. Yep, you know, but it's yep. going into totally different pockets. That's right, smaller groups. I mean, it's kind of an interesting, it interesting is. play. And then you've got not only telehealth, you've got the hospital at home environment, right? Where we're trying to take care of more patients outside the hospital, taking away again. So these are more challenges that the hospital. Uh, think tanks and you know it's it's a joke in the healthcare industry the worst job in healthcare is a CFO of a hospital yeah seeing where all the money goes yeah, yeah. exactly well they they see it real time and they, they see the changes that happen really acutely but i don't know that it really reports down to the front lines that quickly yep. because a lot of the hospitals they were seeing this you know when we we outpatient surgery centers outpatient radiology centers yep. they got into the game yep. right yep. they yep. said well we can't fight this and in fact some of the insurance companies came out and said you're not going to have that done in a hospital. Yeah, exactly. And so they opened up these centers, but they needed to right. have capital to do that. Right. And right. so there there was there was that shift. Yeah. Well, let so me give how does you, that change things? Exactly. Well, let me give you four things that uh, we can talk about. And these are some projections. Adult inpatient volumes will continue to recover from pre-pandemic numbers, but only grow at about 2% over the next decade. Okay. And then number two, adult inpatient days are expected to increase dramatically during this same time with additional increases of about 17% in tertiary inpatient days. Now, is that likely because the people that are actually in the hospital are actually sicker? That's it. Okay. That's it in a nutshell. Which, I mean, that makes sense. I and mean, that, that makes that, sense. That, yeah. That's back to the ER example. Exactly. Your ER, exactly. that is exactly what you want. Yep, exactly. And then the shift of inpatient surgical volumes to outpatient is projected to soften dramatically over the next five years. Hmm. And you know that as, as your own, being a surgeon, you do a lot of your surgeries now in an outpatient facility. Yeah, but they're, they're saying that it's going to go back to the inpatient side, right? So they're, they're saying that it's to soften the growth of, of – uh, I, don't, I don't know that no, I they're believe saying that. that. No, they're saying that inpatient is going to soften more towards moving to outpatient. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so yep. yeah, I know, I know we're reading this the same way, but yeah, but, exactly. but, but by soften they mean it's going to be less. That's correct. So, so there's le- correct. so yep. that would yep. be more inpatient yep. and less outpatient, which yep. really really just doesn't yep. make sense, except for the fact that when a hospital opens up an outpatient surgery center, 
depending on how they build mm-hmm. it and where they build it, right. they're still charging inpatient fees. With facility with, fees and the whole and, nine yeah, yards. And so right. the That's other, right. the, the independents are, are really saving the system a lot of money, whereas just because it's an outpatient center, it may not be saving a nickel Exactly to the to the to exactly. the to the payers. The bottom line is hospitals have a big challenge ahead of them, and you know, for years, I think anyone in healthcare, particularly you as a physician and me as a hospital or as a healthcare administrator, we've been saying that the hospital there's always going to be a place for the hospital, but the hospital should deal with acute care problems. Right when we talk about. And we've been involved in in consulting when we talk about building something new, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's where the answer will lie because when the hospitals have a lot of bricks and mortar yep. and they have all these systems and programs set up, it's very hard to shift, to move that gigantic ship yep. Yep. in a different direction. Right. But when you're going to new communities and growing communities, building the hospital, it should almost be an ER and ICU beds and some high high yep. and surgery yep. beds. Yep. And you know what it's and the models really nobody's testing it out. Well, you know, we've got the the big VA hospital in Lake Nona, yep, right? Yep, right? Huge hospital. Beautiful facility. Beautiful place. Yep. I don't know how many square feet it is. It's, it's just gigantic. enormous. I think it's yep. the largest VA in the country. Is it really? Yeah, it's, okay. it's I know okay. it's on top. It, I've been when in they, there. It's when they, beautiful. When they were building yep. it, that was the plan. Right. It has you ready for this? It has fewer than a hundred inpatient beds. In that massive facility? Yes. Fewer than 100 wow. inpatient beds. So it's all outpatient. It's all outpatient. Yeah. Right? And so what's interesting about that is you're seeing this different model of, yes, they do have an ER, right? Yes, they do have ORs. Right. But they purposefully set this up to where their acuity of care has got to be higher if you're going to be staying in, in that right. hospital. And so that so that starts kind of to a make Mayo sense. Model is what you're really yeah, saying. It yeah. does make sense. The, now, the only caveat I'll throw out at that is, its clientele are this fixed clientele that have all the same needs as general right. population, right. and so and they need somewhere to go, and they have to go there. So whether they would normally go to an outpatient, they don't really have the choice yeah. until. The VA funding says, yes, you know what? If you're going to have a hernia repair, you can have that done. Well, we got you covered, and you can go to an outpatient center. Well, I got a question for you, and maybe our listeners would even. If you're you're a veteran and Uh you have the ability to go to the VA hospital, you're also on TRICARE. Do you have to use the VA hospital, or can you go anywhere else you want? So there's different kinds of TRICARE. So you're not okay. necessarily on TRICARE. Like all, all veterans okay. have access to the VA hospital. That okay. doesn't mean that they have TRICARE. Okay. And so okay. there are two, uh, I, be, I believe it's called TRICARE and TRICARE Now. One, well, TRICARE Plus. TRICARE Plus. Yeah. And so they the one allows more venture out of the VA system. Okay. However, okay. that doesn't mean that these systems, these outpatient systems or physicians We'll see somebody we'll those TRICARE because reimbursements. TRICARE is the lowest government sponsored reimbursement. It's about ninety percent of Medicare. Yeah, that's so where it's, it pays. It's, it's pretty yeah. pretty hurtful to a lot of folks. Yeah, you know, I've obviously I've always taken families with TRICARE with my okay. military background. Okay. Yep. but outside of that, you know, you don't have the greatest support. So it can be a challenge. And there, are, I want to say, one hundred and sixty five, hundred and seventy VA hospitals in the country. Okay. So okay. they're not in every city, obviously. Right. That's, that's so. Not so a you lot. may you yeah. may have to travel 
So there, there are a lot of pieces yeah. that kind of, kind of fold to now, that. Are there more than one VA hospital in Florida? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Where are the other VA hospitals? Well, we got the Tampa VA. We got one okay. in Lakeland, and we got one in Gainesville. Oh okay. Yeah. So okay. we've got, we've got several. So quite we got a few down right Miami. here in yeah. Central yeah. Florida. Yeah. You know, I say yeah. Miami. I never really thought about what we got down, but there has yeah. to be something has down to there. Has to be something. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But you're right. The Lake Nona facility is just beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. But I was amazed yeah. to find out, you know, what the size was. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about the nursing shortage. Yep. I think that's made the, a lot of information in the news and kind of got people's attention. And uh, we'll uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, insurance rebates too. Okay, sounds good. All right, you're listening to Healthcare Now: The Truth About U.S. Healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. We'll take a break. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You got Dr. Mark here and Larry Jones. We're in the Healthcare Now studios, and we are uh, pushing on to our next segment. Let's do a little, little recap. So we talked about some of the concerns that are espoused in the news about hospitals being in, yes. quote-unquote, in trouble yes. in the future. Right. And I want to balance. We, we talked about it. I think we gave a fair discussion about where those concerns I come from. I think we from. did. Yeah. But I want to balance that out with some news that, that we got from the Kaiser Foundation, yep. which kind of begs to uh, differ. I mean, the way it was reported is that insurers are estimated to issue $1 billion in rebates to customers this year. And it was mainly to the customers in the individual market, Dr. Mark. Explain what that means. That means that if you're buying on the ACA exchange yes. or you're buying as an individual, not yep. through your employer. Not through your employer, right. Not through your employer. Yep. A so, billion-dollar rebate. So translated into layman terms, they were overcharged a billion yeah, dollars in 2021. They're not giving you a billion That's dollars. Right. That's right. They're giving back the money that was that you never already spent. Exactly. Yeah. Now, just so, to give you an idea, the prior year, yeah. it was $2.1 billion. Wow. So there's some good news there. So in two <laughs> years, they've scammed, if you want to use the word, or overcharged – Three People, billion three dollars. Billion dollars. Wow. wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So so then we talk about so these are the systems and, and some of that money went to pay for these hospital issues. Without right? a doubt. And so so where man well, it's you, all you, you just can't follow yeah. the dollar yeah. when when yeah. we have when you have yeah. rounding errors of a billion dollars. Let me go and explain this just a little yep. bit as to why and how they come about this. Mm-hmm. Every year an actuary will determine through a formula, what your premium should be based on prior claims. Right. 
Everybody understands that. Yep. Just and like Las called, Vegas. That's yep. right. Then it's called a medical loss ratio, uh-huh. meaning the percent of claims spent to the premium. Right. And if the employer doesn't spend more than, or the 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 employee doesn't spend more than eighty five percent, they get a rebate below that eighty five percent. If if my costs were only seventy five, I got a ten percent rebate. Whatever coming those down, dollars coming back at, you. Coming yep. back at me, mm-hmm. and so. The real issue here, Dr. Mark, is the actuaries that are building these plans, the plans yep. and the premiums because working in insurance for all these years, most insurance plans add a 12% annual rate adjustment to right. every premium plan every year. Yep. Now, I asked an insurance company one time, uh, Why's when's so the high? last time you gave your doctors a 12% increase? Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> you well, can relate well, to well, that. The insurance companies yeah. are basically, it, to dumb down the math, they're, they are allowed and expected they are. to profit 15% That's right. of their total total gross, right? Well, so, it's not so, profit. It's administrative costs would be allowed at 15%. At 15%. That normal profit ends up to be 3 to 4% okay, gotcha. out of that 15%. So that so. Yeah. When there's there's fifteen percent there, and but they give them a buffer of twelve and a half. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of crazy. So that's basically, right. that's exactly the buffer's right. the entire amount. Exactly. So they can never yeah. ever come back. Exactly. Now, I guess you could argue that the flip side of that is then if it went completely in the other direction, they would mm-hmm. go back and say, "Well, you, the consumers, owe us more money." Right. And which is ridiculous. Well, or but, they would just increase their premium for the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, you know, yeah, they're not going to lose you know, it. The, the issue there is that 15% deemed administrative, the games these payers play to include what those dollars oh, yeah. would be oh, sure. is off the charts. Right, right, right. Mark. Yeah, and, and, and these are these CEO yeah. um, you know, salaries. And all, it's the, all, all the, these high-priced like actuaries yeah. that they pay to ensure – the success of these insurance yep. companies. Yep, well, they, so, they've got it down. So we've talked this morning about avoiding the insurance company for primary care, right. paying a direct yes. payment yes. to the physicians. Yep. Because not only do these insurance companies continue to make higher profits, they continue to lower the reimbursement to our doctors. Yeah, and to be fair, the insurance companies could get in on that game yeah. because the end result at least the theory is the end result is less expenditure, which yeah. means less expenditure for the insurance companies, which means yeah. more profit. Yeah. So it yeah. it is connected, but yeah. but you've got the employers. So that was the employer group. Yeah. This is not yeah. the employer group. This no. is the this is the individual group. That's right. And That's so right. so they they have these two challenges. But one can be proactive and try to save money, while the other one has to wait for uh, well, wait for him to write him a check at the well, end of the year. Exactly, and you bring up a very good point. This individual market, a lot of this is the Affordable Care Act, right? Which is Obamacare, right? And you know, we've talked over and over in our show about the benefits and the design of this eight thousand dollar deductible, uh-huh. and how the premium for an individual it approached eight nine hundred dollars a month, right? And now they reduced it this past year, mm-hmm. and that, by the way, that subsidy unless the legislation passes that subsidy, it goes away at the end of the year. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be so jumped back up to where it was. So now their premiums are going to double. So I wonder if that's part of the, the $2.1 billion versus the $1 billion. Uh, no, I think this think is so? over the 85% yep. 
that is right, only right. allowed. Every, every, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I yeah. wonder if it's since that that's come in, since the supplements came in, if that if that changed the number, and we're going to see the it jump could. to two billion next it time. Could. It could when, be because yeah. we'll have the individual market spending more of their own cash. Exactly. So yeah, and they do in the Affordable Care Act. I mean, you and I both know that's no different than oh. a high priced, no, it's high same. deductible plan. It's the same thing. It's the exact same. Thing. And whether whether yeah. you get it yeah. directly yeah. from the company or you get it through the AC, exactly. it's it, exactly yeah. the same thing. And yeah, I mean that was always that was always sort of the scam of the yeah. whole process is we're basically it's a website. Yeah, it is. And and it's and I tell you if you get well, you involved in no they idea. never stop calling you. Well, not only that, you have no involvement in trying to negotiate your premium either. No. Here's the price, take it or leave it. Right. Right. That's well, the way it is. Oh, and, and it's been that way for a lot of years, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, no, I think yeah. that's that's going to that's going to be the downfall. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I think I I think that we're probably wasting a lot of time and money even having that. Larry, you had yeah. a patient story you wanted to share that I think this would be a good spot for this that. Is, yeah, you know, we talk about cost of premium, mm-hmm. and, and here is a family that <clears throat> their 16-year-old son had outpatient surgery. This is down in South Florida. I'm not going to name the hospital. They're insured by United Healthcare's HMO. Mm-hmm. Patient went in. He had outpatient surgery. I think he had a meniscus he had repaired in his knee. Got a bill. The total bill for the four-hour surgery was over $55,000. Nice. They were sent a bill for $5,756 as their copay, 10% basically, which didn't seem like a lot until they called me and said, would you review this? Mm -hmm. Well, I reviewed the bill. Of the $55,000, $27,400 of that was considered sterile supply. Jeez, you're a surgeon, Doctor Mark. Talk to me. I I couldn't even couldn't even <laughs> sterile sterile supplies. Sterile supply. Here, I'm gonna I'm look, I'm yep. reading it myself look here. The first the first line item twenty seven thousand wow. three hundred ninety nine dollars sterile. And then supply. then you've got the OR yep. services fourteen thousand. Yep. yep, yep, yep. And and this is not the surgeon's fee. No. Oh, absolutely not. That was nineteen thousand dollars. So unless they got like. Like uh, ten joints replaced, I can't That's imagine right. yeah. ten. 10 well, let me let me keep let me keep yep. going because okay. you're going to love this. They they have been called three times a week by the hospital to pay this claim. So they got me involved because I'm a family friend, right? And so we call the hospital together to talk about this claim. Come to find out that the Actual payment in the EOB from United has not even been processed yet. They haven't even pushed it forward. No. They they've billed it, but United hasn't paid it yet. Oh, okay. They have billed it. And okay, yet okay. They decide that if they pay the fifty seven fifty six, by the way, when I talked to the people at the billing office, I said, Why are you harassing these people three times a week? Right. Quote, our policy is we will call you three times a week until you pay our bill. Wow. They said that to me, Dr. Martin. Nice. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Nice. Yes, yeah. Well, next thing will be a call center from overseas. But the but yeah. difference is when we called United, there is another payment to be made to where this 5756 will end up being about $1,600. Gotcha. So the hospital wouldn't even wait for the insurance to be fully paid before they started harassing yeah. them. Did they have any comment on that sterile supplies thing? 
No, they that uh, that was the cost of doing business at the hospital. So that's that's Here's their facility, that's their overhead. That's, that's their, their facility fee. Facility fee. fee. Facility right, fee. Right, I got right. you. Wow, yeah. that is now that let is me impressive. go on. That's just the hospital piece. Now let's talk about the emergency room physician piece Uh-oh. that uh, they were billed for the ER visit. Oh, they had an ER visit previous. Oh, yeah, but not they, not at the same time. So right, they saw right, the ER right, went right, home right. and okay, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, then scheduled yeah, yeah. surgery. They got a bill from the physician. For two thousand two hundred and fifty nine dollars. Right. We call back. We call talk to this emergency physician. You know, you talk about these surprise bills. Uh-huh. Well, this was one of them. Oh, gotcha. They billed United Healthcare. United Healthcare. By the way, the week they billed them, they started calling these people. Three now. This this ER group is owned by the same hospital. Gotcha. They're not contracted. Right. ER docs. Mm-hmm. They had billed United that very week. United has not even responded to the EOB yet, and yet they're harassing the patient for oh, the sure. full amount yeah. of the ER visit. Um, um, How do we stop this, Doctor Mark? Well, I mean, we do have the the Surprise Billing Act, yep. which supposedly you know is going to save you know a, a, a million yep. of these cases yep. per month, right? Right. But how? Do you, but the hospital, this is a, this is a pattern by this particular hospital. Yeah, it is. The hospital knew that United hadn't responded to the ER bill yet. Yet they wanted to bill the patient the full amount and started harassing them for the money. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how they play this because I'm looking back at that the surgery bill. Yeah, and you had this total of fifty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And then there's a it says discount amount forty nine thousand. Yeah. So how do they figure that out if well, they don't even know what they're getting paid by insurance? I asked him about that. Yeah. According to the girl that I was talking to on the phone, and by the way, we asked for a billing supervisor, a gal by the name of Pam came on the phone, and I asked that very question. Right. Well, we just made that discount to the patient to give them that discount. I said, so you're telling me you arbitrarily gave them a 90% discount off their bill without insurance? And she said, yes. I said, ma'am, that is not true. No, that's not even close. That's amazing. What the difference there is, is the discounted allowable amount by United Healthcare because they're a United HMO member, Dr. Mark. You know, goes back to what, what what do you tell everybody? Don't Never pay the bill. Pay a bill until you, <laughs> you research got, it. You got to call it. them and yeah. talk. And yeah. unfortunately, we've learned that when you do call them and talk to them, you get things like, "Well, I don't have access yeah. to your bill." That was yeah. a good one. Remember that one, right? And, right. and right. stories yep. like this. Yep. Oh, well, man. they they no, had me. No at wonder the... patients hate us. I know. That's right. I mean, it's and I, it's it, a reflect on yeah. the doctors too. It absolutely does. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. does. You know, Larry. When we come back, we're gonna have to touch on, on the uh, nursing shortage because we didn't get to it. But that was that was great. I mean. There's no end. The listeners should know that when we come to uh, do this show, we always talk to two people, three people That's right. that have billing issues. Yep, always. And, and the story is always the same. Yep. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. 
Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You are back to the Healthcare Now studios. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. And we just, I'm still at the break. We kept talking about that bill. Just, you know, okay, I get folks have jobs, you know, and they're doing their job. That's right. But at some point, you got to look at what you're saying to the client over exactly. the phone yep. and realize what what if you flip it around yeah would you sit there and agree that you can call me <clears throat> 3 times a week yeah. if for you're a an bill impo- that's I'm I'm insured I'm Dr. insured Martin, you've got my insurance the card the piece that hit me on that was the the employee making that statement yep. agreeing that their employer gave them that script to read oh yeah oh yeah no that's, and and agreeing to do that but you know the the sad piece of that is so let's say okay uh, hopefully I we we didn't talk about the most important thing everything went well in the surgery the yep. patient's doing oh, well yeah. patient's doing well uh, you know they're yeah. happy with their physician but now they're going to hate that system they're never going to they go back do. they're going to talk about it they'll probably go to the news station yep. I mean we in healthcare well, we are the news station are, that's true <laughs> hey yeah there we are that's wow. right yeah yeah i have to get used to that that's right people are gonna start coming to us that, maybe that right. can be our side gig that's right we'll we'll, we'll chase right. them down and help them out yeah, but you know dr mar even in our own business at ipn mm-hmm. we get calls oh, like sure. that all the time sure sure and, and mainly though it's about how the payer treats our doctors yes and you know i get right. involved in those kind of things right. almost weekly yeah and and that that's like this other. It's a that's a different kind of relationship. It's not it is. not that it's a great one. Yep. But the biggest problem that I noted as a physician was the general attitude that clients have overall. There, and you, even if they were paying you compliments, saying, "Man, man, you're not like the other doctors. You know, they seem to, they're just in it for the money." Yep. Or, boy, you, you charge. No, it's all the same. It's all in these kinds of stories that sour folks. Exactly. Because especially if they're paying, I don't know if their insurance yep. is through their employer or not, but if they're writing a check and they're in that individual market, yep. they have earned yep. that coverage. They're yep. paying for yep. it. And to right. be treated like that, it's just awful. I had a conversation with the chief medical officer of one of the large national insurance plans a couple of years ago, Dr. Mark, and he made the comment, you know, as chief medical officer, my job is to ensure the highest quality patient care provided by our insurance company. But my number two thing is to pay as little claims as I can to our providers. Oh, sure. Yeah, they're they're always going to be holding back. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and and they have the two-sided thing. So they're, since right. as the medical officer, they can pull back on the provider yep. Yep. and then just the CFO side is yep. going to be pulling back on paying, yep. you know, making sure that the and, clients are, are paying. And I'm not sure I told him this at the time, but today I would say, and if you treat the independent physicians fairly, you'll probably save a lot of money. No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely been, that's sort of the politicking and the lobby side it of, is. of, it you is. know, the, the, the bigger you are, the yep. more they'll pay yep. attention to you, yep. but the bigger you are, the more money of theirs you're going to waste. Yeah, you know? one of the biggest things going on in healthcare right now in the radiology and imaging world, mm-hmm. they 
the CMS and HHS and the payers continue to pay the hospitals more sure. and pay the more. independents less. A lot more. And yet, if they would get it done, like United Healthcare has now said, if you're you not inpatient, yep. we won't pay for it. Right. The cost is a tenth, Dr. Yep. Mark. Oh, yeah. No, that makes that's purely lobby. Yep. That's purely and lobby. And the copay to the patient yep. is. A fifth. Yep. No. No. Yeah. That, yeah it's it's yeah. an amazing. That's a that's a big piece. It's you a know? big piece. And and I tell you the 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 problem that we're having now, and you bring this up is with mm-hmm. with the contrast shortage, which I think is in the news every day now. Yep. T- is, talk is, about is, that. Well, so a lot of these a lot of these X ray studies require contrast to be used uh, to get the best study contrast. you can get. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what the contrast does is exactly that. It shows you the contrast of tissue types. Okay. And, or, you know, it might be that you're having an upper GI so that, that you swallow the contrast and okay. that shows up as white on a regular a- x-ray. So without that contrast being around, there's just a lot of studies that are being put off. And a lot of these centers and hospitals, mind you. a CT without contrast might so not you can give do, you what right. you're looking for. Exactly. And in fact, they had, uh, they, Sanjay Gupta gave a little Thing and when he was showing a CT of a brain uh-huh. and uh, said it showed it with and without contrast and it was it was a tumor that see. that you really didn't appreciate Couldn't see without the yeah, contrast you, you could see, you could see but it. but when the contrast went in that's what you needed to diagnose what it you was you could see all you the tell what the type of tumor it was it. yeah right right and right. and there's all sorts of different places where the contrast is used and so they're just having to cancel these cases and these studies make a lot of money. Yep. And and the oh, yeah. hospitals are getting crushed. Oh, and I, and and interestingly, one of the hospital radiology groups, uh, my discussions with them is, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're they are literally that's got to be a huge money. revenue source. Huge, yeah, huge, huge, huge. Yeah, and and so so that 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 really comes into play there. Interesting. But another place, the other thing that's in the news is the, the nursing shortage. Yep. And we talked yep. about it earlier today. How you know with COVID, we saw fifty yep. percent. Of just the overall employees at the hospitals, exactly, and a bunch of that was nurses. A lot of them are nurses. But let me tell you what uh, reports produced by the Florida Hospital Association and the Safety Net Hospital Alliance of Florida estimate the nursing staff shortage will continue to rise, reaching levels of almost sixty thousand nurses shortage within the next ten years. Doctor Mark, just in the state of Florida, just in Florida. Yeah, right. So if you if you take the number of nurses that we have. And we realize what a large percentage of that it's creating. Now, if we're going to have fewer inpatients, all right, that's right. going to help. And we were right? talking about that yep, earlier, right? Yeah. So, so that's that's a help. But we're starting this at, at the low of lows, and yep. now what yep. this what this study is suggesting, or what this article is suggesting, is that it's going to get worse before yep. it gets better. And so they're really working hard to look at the why. Right. Um, is it pay? Is it work conditions? And and it's it's all it's of those both. things. It's all yeah. of those things. And when it comes to work conditions, yep. it's one you know one thing happens and it's going to get worse, yep. which makes it worse, which makes it worse. Because yep. right. meaning, if you walk in there and and you are a ICU nurse, and you're in the intensive okay. care unit, and my wife and, is, and, and, and your wife as is, you yep. know, yeah. And yep. so so when she's working a shift, she has a certain number of patients depending on their level of acuity, how exactly. sick they are. Let's say they're on a ventilator. Yep. Well, then you should yep. have, and I'm going to, I'm 
It's usually um, one or two patients two. to a yeah. nurse. So yeah. typically, yeah. if you have them on the ventilator, you're going to have two patients, right? That's right. So if you have a nursing shortage and you have an ICU that has 12 beds. Okay. Okay. So normally you six you've nurses got six nurses. nurses. Right. Okay. Well, I don't have six nurses. I have a no, shortage. You might so have, have three. Four. Yeah, yeah. Or three. Three or four. Yeah. So that yep. creates... An enormous amount. It's not just work, Larry. It's yeah. stress and responsibility. Yeah. It's yeah. the opportunity to make an error. Yeah. All right. Because we know that medical errors occur with a very fixed percentage of time. Yes. And that time isn't yes. hours, it's tasks. Yeah. Yeah. How many medications, like for every hundred medications that are given, one, there's going to be an error. Yeah. Okay. And so if you're now giving 500 medications, You've increased your rate, and not to mention that since you are now overworked, yeah. you're going to increase your error rate anyway. Yeah. So this is this is and the as biggest a surgeon, crisis. That's got to be a huge concern for yours and your med students. Well, I tell you that yeah. the, if the nursing shortage mm-hmm. is going to be the most costly and most dangerous issue that we're going to face. Well, in let me this throw decade. this out, Doctor Mark. You know, not only is there a nursing shortage, if there's a nursing shortage and floor nurses who are the most important people in the hospital are having to see more patients and being overworked, now they want to get out of the nursing oh, industry. Yeah. Right. So not only we're not going to get out of it. Uh, right. So it's, the nursing shortage is creating problems for the ones that are still practicing. Right. Nursing. That's what I'm saying. The, the yeah. things that are making this yeah. bad are going to make it worse. Make it even worse. So yeah. so yeah. it is. We're we're definitely in a we're in a a, a dire position. We're on the wheel, and we got to figure yep. out. Yep. And I'm sure it's going to be regional. I think the yep. solutions are going to be regional. They're not going to be national. But we need to make sure that we are training correctly, that we're paying appropriately. But if we don't yep. fix this, it's just yep. going to explode in our faces because yep. if, if the if the ratios of nurse to patient care keep yep. going the direction they're going, yep. they're they're gonna be walkouts. They're, I mean it's gonna be yep. it's well, it's untenable. Exactly. well, it's interesting you say that because during nursing week just a couple of weeks ago, McKinley published this result and it says according to the authors of the report if no actions are taken there will likely be more patients in the united states who will need care than nurses available to deliver it yeah right i mean well i mean if if you look at the the ratio there's always going to be more patients right than, yeah. than there are yeah. nurses There'll i think what they're, be what they're saying yeah. is that there's just not going to be a nurse that can take care of you and and you know people don't realize when you're down, let's say you're down in the operating room and you have an out, you have an inpatient operation and you're right. just going to spend one night and they're like, man, Larry, my friend is, he's been in the recovery room for yeah. hours. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they say, oh, well, we don't have a bed for him. So right. what that means isn't a, that there's a awake. physical bed. Yeah, that's right. It means we don't have a yeah. nurse for him. Right. Right. Well, how so many people in that the ER all the end time. up in that? Everywhere. Every day. Everybody that's waiting for a bed, the yeah. ICU. I mean, the, so what happens? Let's let's say let's go back to uh, the the uh, the recovery room. If we're in the recovery okay. room and the recovery room is full, okay, there's only, there are just a fixed number of beds, a fixed number of That's nurses. Right. Okay? okay, that means can't start your surgery. You start the OR. You can't later. start surgery. That's right. Well, That's you, right. You, you cancel cases. Wow. So if the ICU that have been scheduled yes. probably for weeks, right? So if the yeah. ICU yeah. can't staff. Then they this can't is a great clear, insight, Doctor Mark. They can't clear yeah. surgeries, right? And and I will tell you, has that happened to a, you? Oh yeah, oh, it happens all the I, time. I, I, I don't want to say it happens frequently, but it happens every year 
there are going to be days where they won't do inpatient surgery. And this is this is way pre-COVID. Nothing okay. to do with that. Right, right. Just right. normal everyday Just normal everyday plus. business. Because when yeah. you have a business, you don't overhire. You can't afford to overhire right. because then you have clients. People you have standing people, around getting paid. Or yeah. people who say, hey, you can't give me enough hours. So right. you've got right. to balance right. how you are. So, so in any large organization yeah. or even small business, you're going to run into a problem occasionally yeah. Yeah. where where you now need to have more people yeah. there than than you have yeah. on, on your on your roster. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're going to say, well, you're not giving enough hours, so I quit. So it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen that – your ratios are going to go off, and then your nurse manager is going to say, yeah. I can't take another patient yeah. on this floor. It's, it's not going to work. Right. And so then it shuts down yeah. the PACU, yeah. the, the recovery room. Yeah. It shuts down the OR. And so suddenly yeah. you're sending patients who were NPO, yeah. hadn't had anything to eat all night because they expect to have their surgery, yeah. and it's not going to happen. Right. So in the best of times – that's a concern. Yeah. You know what I cannot eerie, imagine what's happening today. Yeah. You know what an eerie part of this is? I've actually walked in a hospital to visit a friend, and I'll walk down a complete wing, and empty. no one is even around. Right. Yes. I'm the only person there. Yeah. I get on the elevator, I go up to the wing, and I walk into the patient's room, wow. and there is nobody no one there. at the desk or anything else. It. This is... Are I kid we you, in I kid crisis, you not. Dr. Mark? I kid you not. This is bigger than the news is even making it. It's, exactly. go, it's going to be, it, we need to fix it. Yep. Don't, don't have an answer. Maybe by next week, Larry, we'll have what an answer. What a great discussion today, Dr. Mark. Absolutely. Great being with you. We'll see you next week. All right. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 